previously on Comic Book Logic. Could you see like Ice T and like like Lord Order? Like, yeah, I ain't never seen nothing like this. I think he got stabbed in the groin, and, and then it, they put, put his the pants, pants on. <laughs> he took his pants off, stabbed them in the groin, it's like, and they put his pants back on. Fast forward to like the dung dung. It's like. Yeah, I seen him without pants on. Yeah, Spider Man put the pants on. I had those pants earlier here at the. He's taking the calzones out of the oven. <laughs> yeah, I seen him. In the comic book movie universe, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups: Joe, who knows his comic books, and Kevin, who knows his movies. These are their stories. Welcome to Comic Book Logic. Today we are discussing the. Uh, I'm not going to give it away, but we're not. <laughs> well, my feelings on it, but uh, today we're discussing Spider-Man Two, the second part of the Summer of Spidey, the Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> <laughs> there was an awful lot of ooze in this movie. <laughs> there was so much ooze. The the 2004 epic. Uh, Spider-Man 2. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for making every movie over two and a half hours long. It's a fan favorite, this one. Mm-hmm. The kids love it. <laughs> the kids love us. Um, once again, uh, Kevin and I watched this movie together, and now we're giving our kind of background on it. So I apologize if we have sound like we got a little bit in us. I know Pat B of Pat B's Retro Video Game Review Podcast said that, yeah, you could tell that you had a couple in you last time, Joe. So, <laughs> all right. So, Kevin, I'm going to start off this podcast like I start off every podcast. What did you know about Doctor Octopus? You know, uh, nothing. I I like that he, uh, you know, he had a character. He had his uh, thing. His arms made him look like an octopus. That's pretty much it. It always struck strikes me with like uh, like. Uh, especially the Superman, Superman, Spider-Man villains, it always seems like they came up with the name first, you know. And maybe that's true of all, of a lot of just comic books in general. And maybe it's kind of like a duh thing to say, but it always strikes me like they're like, "What if a guy was an octopus?" And then they like work backwards to be like, "Well, he welded arms to his back," you know. <laughs> well. Dr. Otto Octavius was created in 1963 and uh, premiered in uh, Spider-Man issue number... Let me see if I'm going to pull it up real quick because uh, I don't have the exact... Here we go. He first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number number three. No. Ah, they should have held it for eight. Created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. uh, Illustrated first by Steve Ditko. Um, he was essentially created by Stan Lee coming up with the name Dr. Octopus first, <laughs> okay, well. and then working backwards to create the character. I, mean, I, guess, I guess when I <laughs> said Literally it... Literally word from word. 
on his biography. <laughs> I mean, I guess when I said it, I was like, yeah, I mean, how, what else would they do? You know, it's not like they had like a character and then they were like, and then he gets powers and what should those be? And oh, what if they're an octopus? Like, no, it has to be like, what if he fights a guy who's kind of octopus-esque? I- it's cephalopodian. Oh, my name is Octavius. If only I had some other eight-sided, you know, character that I could be. It's a good thing his name wasn't Otto Skunktavius. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, that would have yeah. been a lot. Dr. Skunk. Yeah. Ugh. He's great. Just don't live underneath him. Um, or above him. Yeah, so he was created in 1963, one of Spider-Man's original villains. Perennial villain, has been around forever, member of the Sinister Six, member of the Thunderbolts, always a constant thorn in Spider-Man's side. He's played a very important part. At one point, he marries Aunt May in one story arc. Uh, Played a big part in the Spider-Clone saga, which we may get into some point in the future. I don't know if they're ever going to really do that, but they might. And he also... um, more most recently became Spider-Man when they had their consciousness transplanted, where Peter Parker got into Doctor uh, Doctor Octopus's uh, body and died, while Doctor <laughs> Octopus went inside Peter's body and became the superior Spider-Man. <laughs> it's, it's Freaky Friday. But I, essentially, yeah, with Les with Haley cartoons. Mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or, or who? Who was in the new one? Was it Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee 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 Curtis? Curtis. Yeah, that's just just sad. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that's about it. He's he's just one of the more well known ones. He's always known. He's always his original appearances was like in a green outfit with like Mm -hmm. orange boots and uh, and a bowl cut and a bowl cut. Always always had the bowl cut. He kind of has the bowl cut here. A little bit, yeah. yeah. The, the Alfred Mul- they stayed. It's a pull cut homage. <laughs> yeah, they stayed pretty true to the design of Doctor Octopus while updating it, so he didn't quite look like an East German, you know, refugee. Spider-Man 2. Let's let's start two and a half hours at the beginning. (laughs) Since we're now at the end, a bit of a long one. Yeah, yeah. um, Movie starts off. Peter Parker's just trying to make it through. He's a working girl in New York City, (laughs) just trying to make his way. Working, living the dream. Working for a Daily Show correspondent, delivering pizza. Uh huh. Uh, By the way, didn't they like outlaw like thirty-minute deliveries for pizzas? Isn't it like too dangerous? I don't know, but they probably should. Yeah, I mean that's just terrifying. Yeah, he's he's zooming around on his little moped trying to deliver pizzas to uh, Bones. Yes. Mm Hmm. We should have, you know, what we should have done. We should have done top three cameos, movie cameos, because this movie oh. is filled with movie cameos. However, I don't, I didn't see Stan Lee. Did I miss Stan Lee? He saves a woman when they're fighting on one of the. I started to say when they're fighting on the building, but they do that sixteen <laughs> times in this, this movie. movie. So yeah. something he, I think he oh, pulls the, a woman out of the way. Was it like the bank the scene, like around the bank scene? And he was, might have been after that, or uh, maybe it was, maybe it was that one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's there. So Spider Man, uh, so Peter Parker can't deliver the pizzas on time he tries he's mm-hmm. but he's constantly late because he's always changing into spider-man outfit to save random people on the street 
Yeah. I mean, this goes to your Man of Steel era. Yeah, your Man of Steel or was it uh no it's Batman I v Superman about it in in Man of Steel as well though. I mean, that was the like, big thing where he just doesn't save people. He doesn't do that thing. Well, he doesn't save people. He just like happens to see this person's in trouble and decides to help them out just because he sees them. Yeah, like New probably, York is a big city. Yeah, how many probably... how many other kids were run over while he's out delivering pizzas? Exactly. So, it... but to that's to the point of the movie that yeah. it's it's hard to you know it's Superman hard. is not. A, I keep calling him Superman. Spider Man is not a paying gig. No, you know nobody's paying him to be Spider Man. No, nope. they probably should. Yeah, he should get at least a stipend from the city. Well, you know, it looks like the Avengers get paid. I mean, they get at the very least they get room and board. Well, let's put it. Let's be fair. I mean, Tony Stark doesn't need to. He's, he's a billionaire. He's a... Steve Rogers is probably living fat off his government pension because he's been a super soldier now for ninety years, seventy-five <laughs> he had, years. He had nine dollars in the bank, but due to interest, <laughs> yeah, all that time, compound interest, and the fact that he has a government pension for seventy-five years worth of service, including MIA and POW count. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then Thor of course is a god of asgard yeah he doesn't need any money yeah Yeah. Yeah. and hulk just goes missing yeah and uh black widow i just assume probably uh just forges yeah she forges some sort of uh she's probably got like six social security numbers so as we say spider-man's not getting paid he's he's constantly broke he finds out that his aunt is is getting evicted Uh, not evicted but Mm, foreclosed foreclosed on yeah Yeah, the house is getting foreclosed on because Mm -hmm. because she's not paying her mortgage despite the fact that she's like 80 years old yeah like I just assumed that she took out like a second and third mortgage to probably raise the, her deadbeat nephew. Yeah, probably. Well, who she can't was, hold a friggin' job. She was probably riding high off tech stocks in the early nineties, and then uh, Verizon just tanked in the early two thousands, causing her to lose everything. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. And he's supposed to be like. 18, 19 years old. I mean, he's working appropriate jobs, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he would be like 20-something. He graduated How college. How much time passed since the last movie? Is that clear, or is it just like enough time? Enough that Mary Jane is uh, starring in Broadway's Oscar Wilde, yeah. darling. Yeah. You know, she's got a billboard with her first acting gig. Yeah, probably. I don't know. But it, let, let's assume like two years. She so, was I mean, working at a diner, you know, yeah. a couple of months ago. It let's like. assume like two, maybe a year, maybe two. So All like right. he's, he's probably like 21, maybe 22. He's in his early 20s. He's in college still learning yeah. from happiness is Dylan Baker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like to point out. <laughs> I don't even know any other movies Dylan Baker has been in that I, oh, he was he in was Trick, Trick or Treat. Yeah. Yeah. But any other movies aside happiness is always well my go-to. documented yeah. favorite uh, Halloween movie. Yeah, but he can't do anything. He's like constantly behind in classes, dropping yeah. his books, he's being bad a schlub. at everything because he's yeah. he's twice torn. He's gotta he, go be Spider Man. Yeah, this great thing where you could fly around the city of New York. You know how hard it is to get around New York City, mm-hmm. and he can avoid all of that by swinging lebs, and he's still upset. Well, Ugh. remember this: New York has an elevated train system, so it does that's a little bit better than a subway. Yeah. Um. Not really. <laughs> I've been on the L numerous times. It's not that great. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, you start pizza's better. Yeah, just just don't sit down. That's my only advice to if you ever go to Chicago and go on the L. Don't sit. Don't sit anywhere. No. Just stand. Uh-uh. That You're, puddle? Yeah. You don't want to know what that puddle is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's a... been there longer than you have, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> puddle literally says that to you. I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Uh, so meanwhile, as he's trying to come up with all, he's having all these money problems and everything like that. Mary Jane is 
You know, they they have. She's a, doing all right. She's still living at home. Yeah. Um, Everybody's still living at home. It, what? Millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh. Um. Uh, uh, what's his name? Osborne. Why can't I think? Yeah, Harry. Osborne. Harry. Harry mm-hmm. is Harry James Franco Osborne. Osborne. I was gonna say one of the Francos. James Franco is his nickname. Yeah. He's uh. He's got a new. He's taken Oscorp to new levels. He's got. He's got yeah. this thing where uh, Otto Octavius is working out of a. <laughs> we're in octopus arms now. Yeah. That's a thing that we're doing. <laughs> he's working out of a New York bungalow. <laughs> right. He's working out of the set of Rent. Right. Is to to create the new alternate power source. Yeah. Of the, the Nobel Prize uh, this year, the Nobel Prize in science this year will be will be won in a loft space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Peter is invited as a student Next to a Diane Arbus exhibit. <laughs> really. Yeah. So Peter is invited by Professor Dylan Baker. He's actually playing Kurt Connors, who would later, who is actually the villain, uh, the Lizard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were planning on doing something with that with the aborted Spider-Man three script. You can see he doesn't have an arm in this movie. He uh, invites Peter to go see Doctor Otto Octavius. He's writing a paper on him to uh, the start of his powers. So he meets up with Doctor Otto Octavius and his his lovely wife, and they talk about how they met and how much they're in love. <laughs> right, which which is we're, just we're, consigns we're, her to death. Yeah, where Kevin goes, well, she's doomed to death. <laughs> If this movie wasn't 12 years old, I would have been shocked myself. Hmm. Um, so Spider-Man does all this. He sees like what the romance can do. And of course, with all of this stuff going on, uh, he go- he actually goes to the thing. And Dr. Otto Octavius puts on a crazy backpack of, of octopus arms to control yeah. the nuclear reaction with the tritium and the science. The, he sciences the hell out of that thing. Yeah. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. Like, all of this seems super superfluous. Like, we didn't need any of this stuff for it to work. It's very complicated. <laughs> he probably could have just had, like, you know, hands made out of a safe material. You know, like, what they do when they handle radioactive materials now, they, like, reach through. Yeah. And then they you handle you're saying, it with You just have rubber, rubber gloves. <laughs> right. yeah. It might have to be a little bit more advanced than that. But I don't see how the art... Because it was all just open yeah it's not like it was like oh we can handle it now with these robot arms like just i don't know you could have had like a little like a bomb protecting robot could have probably done that on this should have been done in osborne labs as opposed to the loft from rent there probably should have been 40 people there (laughs) the first time they the first time you do an experiment of any kind you probably don't invite the stockholders. Yeah. And as, you know, you got that, you have an Eastern European guy downstairs going, where's the rents? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're doing nuclear experiment up here, but you can't afford <laughs> rent? What is going on? Right. There is so many damn storylines going on in this movie. A lot. There's a lot up in the air. But anyway, he can't, uh, uh, Alfred Molina, of course, playing Dr. Otto Octavius, a uh, great character actor, actually mm-hmm. just great actor overall. Yeah. Uh, he's never really been in like a main character in a lot of movies. Uh, this is probably one of his definitive roles, yeah. I-, I would say. Yeah. Uh, next to playing uh, the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark, gets yes. the spiders all over. Very him. beginning, ironically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, yeah, the spiders getting his revenge. Foreshadowing. Yeah. So he can't. Con- <laughs> so Alfred Molina can't control the nuclear reaction. You throw me the trillium. I throw you the whip. <laughs> And uh, it or causes tritium, not tritium. tritium. 
Whatever it is. It causes all sorts of magnetism to happen. The windows shatter, killing his wife. Yeah. Just uh, a lot of bad things. Yeah. And he could control the arms, and, like, they're connected to his cerebellum, but he has, like, a car fuse at the top of the thing <laughs> that happens yeah. to get, sh- like... It's the light bulb I just bought to replace the one under yeah. my microwave. Yeah, don't touch you know? it with your hands, because the grease will cause the halogen to explode. you got to put it oh, gloves when you put it on. That's really... That's, yeah, really, that's exactly. the thing. Yep. He probably didn't use the bulb. No, grease. he didn't. You know. They don't tell you that. You know, that's one of those things somebody like your dad has to tell you. You know, it's connected to his spine. You think he would take more care. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, I have to wear this like a glove. I should. Do, do I like how do I put this on? No, you just put it on like a glove. That's how careful I am at that. He's like injecting things into his spine. Yeah. And he's like, oh, whatever. It's controlled by a car fuse. This is fine. It explodes, of course. Causing, Reckless. Yeah. And his wife is dead. He gets taken to the the corner. They're going to try and cut off the arms. And the arms go crazy and kill all the doctors in the best scene of this movie. Oh, yeah. The, the Sam Raimiest scene it is in the, this movie. That's probably the Sam Raimiest scene. Definitely. Yeah. Weird, like, uh, the camera will just, like, zoom in, like, when it yeah. zooms in on the Dutch chainsaw. Angles all over the place. Um, and the fact that there is a chainsaw mm-hmm. and screaming and the girl with the nails and the fl- the nail marks in the floor, yeah. like just great, great, great stunt scenes stuff. and everything. Yeah. Uh, which causes him to be like, now I will be called Dr. Octopus, <laughs> which should have been said in this movie, but it was not. He doesn't say it. He, as always, gets named by, by your favorite. Yes. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> just kidding, Simmons. Just kidding, Simmons as... J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, it's uh, it's uh, Ted Raimi who names him in the movie. Oh, that's true. He yeah. does say it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but J. Jonah Jameson christens him Dr. Octopus. And Alfred Molina's like, ugh, I get one doctorate and I'm labeled Dr. Octopus. You know, it's a good thing I'm not assistant professor Octopus. Oh, no, no, no. Like, had they named him Mr. Octopus, like, <laughs> that would have, he would have been very offended. It's Doctor, Oct- excuse me. That would have been a good scene that in the movie. Been, that would have been funny. We're called Mr. Octopus. <laughs> and then he comes in, he's like, I, I didn't go to eight years of evil school to be called <laughs> right. Mr. Octopus. <laughs> I'm not $140,000 in student loan debt for you to call me Mr. Octopus. Mr. You, Rock. What'd you get your doctorate in? Community studies. Octopus stuff. <laughs> Octopus. Cephalopod studies. Arms. <laughs> Just like a lot of things you can do with arms. Meanwhile, as uh, this is all going on, Peter is invited to go see Mary Jane's play. She's in The Importance of Being Earnest. I like Oscar Wilde as much as the next guy, which is not that much. I saw Oscar Wilde's grave in Paris. Did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like his quips. His quips are funny, but mm-hmm. have you ever tried reading the, the picture of Dorian Gray? No. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's only like 12 pages long. It's, but I, You know what? I bought a copy, and I never read it, and it's just grown old in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that coming. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I didn't get out of the way. You let it happen. Um, <laughs> Your spidey sense tingled, but you did not dive and throw me out of the way of the bus. Yeah, and so Peter, of course, tries to get there on time, but no, he's got to stop a burglary in progress yeah. as Spider-Man, which causes him to be late, and Bruce Campbell says, uh-uh-uh, you cannot come in once the doors are closed. It mm-hmm. ruins the illusion. Right. Yeah. Once again, proving that Spider-Man's greatest enemy, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Always. 
Always. I hope he shows up in the third one. I don't remember him being in the third one, but... The third one is the one I haven't seen. So yeah, that, this will be check. that'll be a first time for me next time. So yeah, he he tries to get in, and he's not. He's all dejected, and he's he's standing outside in the rain waiting. And uh, Mary Jane comes out, and she sees that he sees that her fi- she has a fiance now. Uh, yeah, John Jameson, the son of J. Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. Astro Jameson, Ast- astronaut who's played football on the moon, apparently, because America's still going to the moon. USA, USA. Well, we've played golf on the moon, but that's not very American. It's like, no, we need to go up there and and play an American sport. (laughs) (laughs) Throw the football, but it's space. He throws the football off the moon. (laughs) Right. Some say the football is still going to this day. He's carrying a concealed weapon on the moon. That's American right there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He has his permit to carry it on the moon. <laughs> it's America. Shooting fireworks off, holding them in his hand on the moon. <laughs> exactly. That's American. First astronaut to shoot a gun on the moon. <laughs> I don't even know if that's physically possible. I'm not going to look it up, but I'm going to assume that the Americans found a way in this reality. <laughs> I, I will agree with that. So the, the John Jameson, who's completely forgettable in this movie, like you don't even realize. I forgot that he was completely part of this movie. Yeah, I know I haven't seen this movie in ten years, but, no, he, or close yeah. to. He shows up as needed. Yeah, and that's it. And of course, Mary Jane, and so Peter sees that, and he's like, "I'm sad. I am sad." So he loses his powers. He starts losing his powers, sort of periodically, usually after every exchange. With Mary Jane. That's how where, I feel every time I see Kirsten Dunst. I just lose <laughs> all of my powers. You lose your powers. <laughs> I'm sad now. <laughs> Gotta stop watching Lars Van Trier movies. <laughs> We're not doing it, but I think Melancholia would probably be on my list. It would not be number one. No. Of our top three Kirsten Dunst movies. No. Yeah. That's not your top. It wouldn't be my number one, but it'd probably be. Aren't we two doing or three. top three Kirsten Dunst movies? We're not doing it. No. <sighs> That's why I'm bringing it up now. Oh. No. All right. My is your number one Jumanji? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> she's totally No, Jumanji. my number one is still Bring It On. Oh, yeah. My number one is Bring It On. Number two would be um, uh, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> I, I love that movie. <laughs> I just love people with a Minnesotan accent saying Hojo's. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, and then my number three would be Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, yeah, she's great as like the annoying little kid in that movie. Mm-hmm. That's so that that's my top three. Kirsten Dunst, in case uh, you're interested. I'll see. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, where are we at? Oh yeah. So he's losing his powers. He so, but he's happy that he's losing his powers because he's able to give up being Spider-Man. Because the whole thing is he's torn. Right. That's the whole first four hours of this movie. Is Spider-Man is that doing that? So he's got that struggle. He can't hold down a job. Yeah. Um, he's got the, the he can't, apartment. He, it's yeah. supposed to look like a crummy apartment, but it just looks like a New York apartment. <laughs> it, it just looks like every New York yeah. apartment and, in real life. And he's got like his, his landlord is yelling at him for the rents and these yeah. repeating, but his daughter's kind of like into him for some odd, in a weird subplot that doesn't feel right in the movie. Doesn't go anywhere. All she does is like, she shows up and she gives him cake. Awkwardly flirts with him. Which I think once he finishes the cake, they might be betrothed. <laughs> According to the Moldavian <laughs> uh, traditions that are yes. represented by her. Right. I was telling Kevin, I was just like, you know, 2004 me, that was my type of girl. <laughs> Six foot tall, weighing 75 pounds. That was, that was my type of girl. Smell like... Cabbage and cigarettes. Exactly. Use your line. Cigarettes. <laughs> From a country that no longer exists. 
um, yeah, so he's he's losing his powers and everything. Like, so, but now he's happy that he doesn't have his powers because he's able right, to he be normal. He throws out the Spider-Man costume. That you know, Sam Raimi plays uh, "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head," the Burt Bacharach song. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it on this podcast before. Um, and he's like, he sees like the police chasing after someone, and he looks at it like all concerned, and then he eats a hot dog. Yeah, you know, he's like, I choose hot dogs over. He throws his he hero. throws the Spider-Man outfit out. Um, J.K. Simmons buys it up. <laughs> right. And um, he goes to see the play, and he's like, I can be with you now. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm getting married, though. Yeah. And he's like, no. He goes see her do an awful English accent. <laughs> well, I just assumed that this was, like, a really hyped community theater. Like, I just didn't get the sense. Like, this is this has got to be, like, off, 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 off Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is like what the people who can't get into the Fantastics see. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, what? Blue Man Group is sold out? All right, I guess we'll go see The Importance of Being Earnest. <laughs> right. P- and Peter's all like, oh, you were so great, Mary Jane. I've only seen two other plays, and the other one is like The Lion King. You know, Julie Tamar's The Lion King. Yeah. So this is this right. is the best thing I got going for me. Uh, yeah, at least it's not like horrible like performance art where like she comes she's, out and, yeah, and she's, she's sitting, covered in paint. Yeah, she's naked on stage sitting in a chair saying the word moist over and over and over <laughs> again. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a what a revolutionary interpretation of the importance of being earnest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and this goes and, and like we're we're summing this up, but this whole like Peter says, I can be with you. And then Mary Jane says, no, you can't be with me. Like, goes on throughout the entire movie, like, eight times. And, yeah. uh, for eight hours. It, it just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. Meanwhile, Aunt yeah. May's trying to get a loan this from... This movie, slightly longer than Roots. <laughs> Very close. I will not be making any jokes right now. No. Um, <laughs> um, Aunt May's trying to get a loan from Joel McHale. TV's The Soup's Joel McHale. Right. Um, and... Dr. Octopus comes in and he robs tries he robs the bank. He steals bags that have dollar signs on them. <laughs> he broke into Scrooge McDuck's <laughs> vault is what he did. And then he's in there swimming around. And then he he Peter's is in there with her, kicks away Aunt May and then runs away. Right. <laughs> and they make fun of him. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. And Spider-Man comes in and uh, there's a big fight and Dr. Octopus takes Aunt May and yeah. Oh, it's a whole thing. Like, we could just go through all the Dr. Octopus fight scenes. There's the one on the bank where they go up the tower and they fight on the clock tower over and over and over again. Uh-huh. And then there's the one where I think it's after he kidnaps Mary Jane and they go to the- They fight in, on the train. Yeah, they fight we'll on the- get to that. Yeah. Because that's a big scene. Yeah. And then they fight. They have the big sort of boss battle at yeah, the, the end. The, yeah. The, 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 in the, the, this just keeps going over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So- Meanwhile, so okay, so after he robs from the bank, Doctor Octopus uh, kidnaps Mary Jane mm-hmm. f- for some reason. I feel like we missed it. We may have missed. We, the scene. we must have been talking I, or people something. Can, yeah, people. Can, I mean, we'd seen no, it before. He, he doesn't know because at the end, when Peter Parker, when he, when he reveals himself, then Doctor Octopus is like, "Ah, oh, Peter Parker." Oh, that's true. So then, why does he kidnap? 
Mary Jane? Mary Jane. Is it because like Spider-Man always helps Mary well, Jane? Well, you know what? He might because he's working with Harry Osborn. And there might be, because Harry Osborn doesn't know that he takes her. And maybe it was like, oh, that's insurance, because he knows that they had a thing or that they oh, know each other. Oh, maybe. Maybe yeah. he did that. At any rate, yeah, we both missed it. I'm sure it makes sense in the movie. And even if it doesn't, you can kind of infer why you would do that. But yeah, we both took it as like, what is he saying? Come at me, Peter Parker, because I know you're Spider-Man. Yeah, but he doesn't know. But he doesn't know because he finds out at the end. Anyway. Yeah. So he but can- yeah, he's trying to rebuild the thing because the snake yeah. arms tell him that tell him to they want him yeah. to rebuild the thing. It, yeah, my snake, my snake arms would tell me drink more. That's the thing is they would constantly be. Hey, Joe, Joe. <laughs> Eat some processed sugar. <laughs> you know you want to. I can't snake arm number two. I'm on a diet. <laughs> Come on. You're crabby. You're really crabby. You could you could use some ice cream. You're a grown-up. <laughs> You're a grown man with a job. You support your family. You take care of you things. You got two kids. You could do this. <laughs> if you can't have some potato chips now and then, <laughs> then ISIS wins. <laughs> All Why right, are you snake. bringing up ISIS? <laughs> What does that have to do with anything? That's my life right now for the viewers and for the listeners. It's, yeah. it's simply that. Um, so, uh, how are we doing? Okay, we're doing good. I'm just looking at the time right now. I'm not sure. So, he kidnaps Mary Jane. And so, he's he take, he like causes an L, a train on the L tracks, which don't exist in New York City, by the way. This was completely filmed in Chicago. Right. Um, he t- goes on the L train and causes the L train to go crazy so that Spider-Man has to do a Jesus-y pose and stop the train. And then, you know, Dr. Octopus is able to s- yeah. kidnap Spider-Man and take him to James Franco to trade for the tritium. I believe that's yeah, the plot. That right is there. the plot. It's unclear why he did just... And I, mean, I, think, I think what he's trying to do is just beat Spider-Man and, like, capture him and then take him to Harry Osborn. Yeah, because Harry's and funding And he realizes thing, yeah. that he can't quite do that. So I'm guessing he sets the train up thinking either he won't be able to stop it and he'll die or he will stop it and it'll... Tired get him all out. tuckered out. Get all tuckered out. <laughs> well, and then it's of course you have another scene where they need nappy time. They take they take Peter Parker, who's maskless, right to he the back. Of all the people like take him back there, and they're like, "It's okay. We're not. You know, don't go worry about your mask." It's like there's seven million people in the city of New York. They would have yeah. no idea. No one's gonna go. <laughs> hey, that's Peter Parker. <laughs> he's gonna right, he's gonna go. Somebody's gonna go home and be like, "I saw Spider Man without his mask." Oh, really? Who is he? The white guy. I don't. I mean, he's one of the several million white guys I've ever seen. You know, it'd be, it would be, it'd be more like hey, some ass. Who knows? <laughs> Seems shorter in real life. <laughs> Thought he'd be taller. He was like some forty-five-year-old white guy. <laughs> Way older than you'd think. <laughs> you, you, you ever, you ever Too seen, old to be living with his aunt. I tell you that. You seen Seabiscuit? <laughs> He looks, like looks kind of like the jockey in Seabiscuit, <laughs> but shorter. Hey! <laughs> you mess with Seabiscuit, you mess with all of us. <laughs> and of course, and the scene is so not, it's like such a like a response to the first movie because it's like you the, the big fat Italian guy who's like, hey, you won't get to him, you gotta go through me and right. my foreign Italy that I got around my neck. Yeah. You know, and Dr. Octopus is just like, 
and yeah. pushes him to the side and takes Spider-Man to Harry Osborn. Well, that was fine, because it was sort of a, a nod to that while also being like, well, we're not obviously going to do the same scene again, yeah. so let's let's be like, it's not going to work twice. And then you have the high school community production of Spider-Man where James Franco takes the mask off and he's like, <laughs> I will see who is behind the mask of Spider-Man. And he, he, has, he has a Renaissance right. Fair dagger that he bought from um, the store where you buy pipe tobacco in the mall. <laughs> yes. Whatever that place was called. I the don't jewel know. fell off a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, the jewel on the bottom fell off. He's got to glue it back on. <laughs> uh, and he removes the mask. And well, and he, Dr. Octopus gets the tritium and books out, and he removes the mask. He's like, no, Peter, <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> and Peter cuts up and, like, takes off the barbed wire. And he's like, this is bigger than the two. Of- it's like the community production of Spider-Man 2. Yeah. It's like a Wes Anderson production of of Spider-Man. It's, right, it's Max Spider-Man. Fisher from Rushmore is doing Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Max Fisher's Spider-Man. It's it's a perfect. It's like it's so insane. Explain why the Who started playing <laughs> right at that moment. And he's like, "Where's MJ?" And then he's like, "I don't know where MJ is." And Kevin's like, "Why is Michael Jackson in this movie?" Yeah. And uh, it's just they go and they fight, and and Spider-Man, you know, lifts up a big electrical cable. And Dr. Octopus stabs the electrical cable. Why the, the, the snake arms thing even had, like, a knife in them? He built them to have a knife in them, Kevin. That's true. Like, what they purpose? They were clearly designed to be dangerous. <laughs> what purpose would a knife inside a thing designed for a nuclear reactor, in case he had to stab well, the nuclear like, reactor? That's what I said as soon as he puts them on. It's like, did I have to make them look terrifying? No. <laughs> but did I want to? Absolutely. <laughs> You know, they had to look like before they were even evil and they come online, they're like menacing the audience. They're like, they're like like, hissing. One of them's breathing fire. You know, it's like what it's like Dr. Octavius. Why is one of them breathing fire, and why are they all made of knives? And he's like, because science, you know. <laughs> and, they have, and they have like they all sound like velociraptors from Jurassic right. Park, you know. Like, right. That, well, they're that... all anthropomorphic. I mean, he made them all like these weird serpent dragon monsters. Yeah, it's like Mo, Larry, Curly, and Shemp. You know, all, that's, I guarantee you, Sam Raimi called them Mo, Larry, Curly, and Shemp. Probably. I, I guarantee it. Probably. I, I think, actually, that might be in the production notes, if I'm not mistaken. But, but like, they could have been made out of... I mean, they would have been made out of probably the same material. Yeah. But, like, they could have they could have been blunted. They could the, have been And, like, blunted. they didn't have to be made of knives. <laughs> like, he was... On some level, he was like, I can't... That's probably why the inhibitor chip was, you know, yeah. made of... of plastic you know piece of crap that he found like yeah he, on some level he must have wanted that to happen Ugh. And so anyway yeah so the knife stabs the electrical cord hoisting dr octopus by his own petard as i like <laughs> to say in all these movies because the, the hero can't do jack in these movies the villain always has to defeat themselves yeah it's it's such an awful cliche Mm-hmm. Um, he gets shocked back into uh, reality, I guess. We should rename this the show Hoisted, Hoisted by, by Your, your Own, own Petard Cast. <laughs> Petard Cast. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's able to regain control of the arms. The arms no longer control him. 
Uh, oh, and by the way, he started up another reaction with the tritium. He can't control it. It's yeah. causing everything to yeah, go predictably. Like, yeah, predictably. Yeah, it's going to go kablooey. Who could have seen this happen? Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, no. And uh, Alfred Molina is like, no, Spider-Man. The only way to stop this is to dump it into the river. <laughs> you don't do it. Oh, it's because he takes off the mask and shows that he's Peter Parker yeah. and reveals it to Alfred Molina and not to the girlfriend who's like, He's been wanting to tell. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. But uh, that happens, and then he turns around. And then she's there. And she's like, oh, I'm so stupid. (laughs) (sighs) Talk about self-absorbed. She just didn't see it. You feel like Aunt May has a look on her face, like during that scene where she's moving out of her house because she can't afford there anymore. Yeah. And there's like the kid, the neighbor kid brings up Spider-Man. She has a look of just like, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Everyone else you know is an idiot. But like she probably knew as soon as like Spider-Man saved her the first time. And it's like, okay, yeah, my dumb nephew is Spider-Man. <laughs> Ugh. We're all doomed. <laughs> he can't even hold a job. <laughs> and then, yeah, Mary Jane sees that, and he's like, oh. And then he, he is like the, the dwarf, the abandoned wharf that Dr. Octopus is working out of collapses into the river. Spider-Man creates a spider web in one of the cranes and has a heart-to-heart <laughs> with Mary Jane in probably one of the worst moments in this movie. Ha! Huh. Um... Cuts. It is weirdly menacing because if you think about that, the reason that a spider would make the web and sort of trap something in it is is because it's, you know, prey. And he's going to, you know, he's going to kill her. Yeah, he's going to kill her. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of menacing. It's not like normally he just sort of gently sets them down on the ground. This so, is like, I've trapped you. So... um at the end of the movie, uh, now that Dr. Octopus has been defeated, defeated in quotes, um, uh, uh, Harry discovers the, uh, the, the, his, his dad's secret room. His stash. His, his stash, stash of goblin stuff. <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of goblin stuff in here. A, a shoebox full of pot and a, <laughs> and a bunch of deep purple records. <laughs> How old are these Playboys? <laughs> well, the pages are all stuck together. Ew. I know that's not Deep Purple, but um, <laughs> that's uh, Jethro Tull. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's like, oh, well, guess who's going to be in Spider-Man 3 as the, uh, the new Green Goblin or yeah. whatever. And then, so... Then Mary Jane is supposed to be getting married to John Jameson. We we skipped over the whole planetarium scene. Um, oh, yeah, because it's yeah. just another one where it's like Peter confesses her love to him, and then she's like, "No, I'm getting married now." Even after like the last scene where she's like, "I love you, just give yeah. it a chance." You know, it's just so annoying. Uh, and they're, they're in the middle of the they're right about the wedding to start, and she runs away, and right. which the graduate did much better. <laughs> A, a scene straight like the, the literally from the graduate that the graduate did better because um, Peter didn't go to get her. I was going to say for it to be the graduate, he would have to come in and bang or, on the glass at the top and say, Mary Jane. Uh, yeah, she just never even tried. She just right. Yeah, she just went. She ran away. Um, and like, then, I know you're Spider-Man. I don't care, though. I want to be. 
well, kiss your butt, whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Whatever she wanted to do with him. Yeah, yeah she meets up with him in his crappy New York apartment to yeah. live a life of misery. <laughs> the end. <laughs> right. She could have married an astronaut. Can I help you? Yeah, I, uh, come to see the show. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No one will be seated after the doors are closed. It helps maintain the illusion. Ah, I understand. Miss Watson, she's a friend of mine. She asked me to come. But not to come late. I have to see this show. You just let me in, I'll stand in the... All right, so production notes. Uh, production notes. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I have to do it the way you do it. <laughs> All right, so this movie uh, came out in 2004. Pretty much after Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man came out, Spider-Man 2 went immediately into pre-production. Um, they were going to do Dr. Octopus. Sam Raimi was a big fan of Dr. Octopus. They decided they cast it out for Merlin in the role. One of the more important things with this movie was that Tobey Maguire might not have actually been in it. No. Um, he wanted, I, I believe his agent asked for $25 million or 10% of the, of the gross. Mm. Or, yeah, you want the gross. You don't want the net. Right. Because the net is always zero. Right. They never make any money in these movies. You always want the gross. Right. Uh, the studio flatly rejected it. Um, there was a bunch of jokes about, um, not jokes, but Tobey Maguire like said he had back pain, like he couldn't do the Spider-Man part. Yeah. Um, so they were they talked about casting Jake Gyllenhaal instead as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker Spider-Man for the sequel. Mm. Uh, eventually, it all got hashed out, and pretty much the entire cast uh, came back for the second one, including Bruce Campbell. Um, it opened uh, June 30th, 2004, so this is almost the 12th year, and this is just past the 12-year anniversary. It grossed $40.4 million in the first day. Um, it was a record that was held for one year until Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, came out. <laughs> yeah, it also broke Return of the King's record for 35, uh, $34.5 for the highest grossing Wednesday of all time. Um, the movie ended up... Uh, Spider-Man 2, this is the reason I bring this up, has a 93% overall approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. With an average score of an 8.3 out of 10. I have no idea how it has this high of a rating. <laughs> probably if you talked to me in 2004, I probably would have said, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Going back now, I think a lot of these critics need to go back and do a new review of this movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I liked it. And I think... That maybe part of the thing is it does slow down uh, a lot. And, and a lot of it is those <laughs> scenes that we were kind of talking about where they're constantly sort of going back and forth. It's it's very much about these characters. That's what I like about this movie compared to – I haven't seen three, so I can't yeah. actually speak to it. But my understanding with three, and you can point to a lot of other comic book movies who are uh, guilty of this, is there's one villain. You've got Harry and sort of the specter of the previous villain. But it was – and we talked about this in our last review of how there's sort of a tight community. There's not that many characters. Yeah. You know, it's like they're always like there's no reason that they would all kind of know each it's other, almost, but they do. It's almost Dickensian in a way where it's like like these people shouldn't yeah. run into each other like they do, but right. and they, they always do, do because they live in this little area of New York, this little neighborhood. And it keeps it very 
close. It feels like a sequel to the first one. We really only add one major character, and it's the villain, because yeah. even uh, Astro Boy doesn't ever really do anything. He has, like, two lines through yeah. the whole movie. You know, he's, he's in two scenes. He's in three scenes, only two of which he has dialogue. Yeah, and, and, and his dialogue is completely... Like, I don't even know who the guy who plays him is. It's like he's so completely forgettable. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, I thought for a while it was James Marsden, but it wasn't. So. It's a quiet movie in a lot of ways, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with the quiet parts. It's just there was too many of them, and it was too back and forth with the same plot points. Uh, it's like, no, I'm in love. Okay, so let's get let's well, get. that's it. what they wanted to do. They yeah. wanted it to be very... Because he is torn, yeah. and... But we talked about this sort of right at the beginning of the movie, and I, and I, maybe this is what you were about to get into as well. It's just the whole – I think one of the things that I struggled with and you struggled with is why he still feels in the beginning compelled to be Spider-Man. Like if he's going somewhere and there's a robber – like it's New York. There's always going to be a robbery or a kid yeah. about to get hit by a bus or whatever. That's my understanding yeah. of New, <laughs> New York, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, like, let, let's dig he in. He takes time off, and crime is up 75%, 75%. which yeah. seems high. Yeah. But, I mean, well, it's also the the, the Bugle reporting that, so that, those numbers are relatively right. He's rounded up skews. from probably yeah. nine. <laughs> yeah. It's been up 7.5%. 75%. <laughs> no, 7.5. We'll make the dot really, really, really small. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. exactly. Right. Um, no, okay, so... One of the things that I think me and you both had a problem with is that the whole movie is a struggle of Peter Parker. Like, we don't understand why he's so conflicted about being Spider-Man. We don't really see that. A lot of what we see is more outwardly than inwardly. Like, we don't see his internal struggle with, oh, I want to be Spider-Man, but I also want to find love, and I want to have a nice job, and I want to have a normal Mm -hmm. life. Like, a lot of that is more externalized in the fact that he can't maintain a job. Um, right. He's single. He's distancing himself from Mary Jane and from, from Harry, from his aunt. Like, you know, he's he's living in a crappy apartment. Crappy in quotation marks. But we don't... These are all externalized. We don't see his internal struggle with, you know, why do I have to be Spider-Man? And why can't I have a normal life? Right. It almost needed to be flipped around a little bit where being Spider-Man needed to interfere more with, I guess that it does in a way, but yeah, he's not, I mean, we don't get the sense right off the bat that he's late delivering the pizzas because he has to take time to stop bank robbers. He's like late from the get-go, and we don't really yeah. know why. We just get the sense that he's just kind of crappy like, yeah, he's at just everything. He's really crappy at everything. You know? Well, and that's the thing, too, is is that there needed to be more of a dynamic of, like, I really, really like being Spider-Man. That's the reason I keep being Spider-Man, or yeah. that I have this, I feel I have this duty to be Spider-Man because of my uncle's death. Batman Begins comes out the following year, and they do an okay job with that because it's it's a it's a fairly minor point. But at the very end, when Katie Holmes says, 
you know, you said, or maybe they, well, they have that scene in there and then they do repeat it a little bit in The Dark Knight, but they have that whole, that whole premise of like, what's the thing that they repeat? It's like, oh, you can shoot, you know, it's like, oh, if I, when I'm done being Batman, yeah, then we're going to get together. And, you know, the point is, you're never going to be done being Batman, Batman, at least not for uh, two more movies. <laughs> Then I guess you'll be done. No, it's just uh, one more movie because at the beginning of the third movie, he's not Batman anymore. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think, what they're going to try to go for here, and they don't really do it. No, and, and that's the thing is like, I, I felt was a big disservice to the character was that we never see his internal struggle. Like, and I think that's one of the great things about Spider Man is that. St- Spider-Man has always has this struggle, like, oh, I want to have a normal life, I want to be a normal teenager, but my promise to Uncle Ben that with great power comes great responsibility will trump that. Right. And you don't see that. No. You don't don't feel that. It's externalized in all these crappy ways that it's just like, well, I'm late for things all the time. You know, it's like, you know, I had a crappy job when I was 21 years old, too. You know, it's not like... Anything in his existence was any different because he was Spider-Man. It's only different. We we only know that he's Spider-Man because he is Spider-Man. You know, it's not like Spider-Man literally affected anything there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It, 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 that's that was weird about that on on that lens. And then when he's it loses his powers because you know he gets into a fight with Mary Jane or whatever, uh, and he's all happy that he doesn't have to be Spider-Man anymore. It's such a disservice to the character because it makes you feel like, well, he never wanted to be Spider-Man to begin with. Right. He he makes, right, he doesn't, and I said this when we watched it, like, he doesn't make the choice, like, that scene where he's throwing away the costume. He lost his powers. It's not like he's still Spider-Man, but he's like, I'm going to choose not to use these powers. He can't anyway. The yeah. choice was completely removed. It's like, well, I guess I'll throw it away. So... And that undercuts that whole storyline right off the bat. Yeah, completely. And and you're like, well, of course he, he stopped being Spider-Man. He doesn't have the powers anymore, even though we know it's all psychological, which right. is weird. And as you know, and I've pointed out this before, when the superhero loses his powers <laughs> because he doubts himself. Well, that's, I mean, I prefer that to, like, Dr. Octopus invented a machine that, yeah. drained his power like ugh. but then the power has to come from him the power comes along. from within yay yeah ugh. that's a little too cliched I like the idea of it just being like I think what they were going for was that he was he impotent wants, he's in his ma- <laughs> he's making the choice and that's how the powers aren't that the losing the powers is the manifestation of him choosing that it's but it does not i think that's what they want it doesn't play play like that no it's 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 almost it's an a a disservice to the character and b it's just uh it 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 undercuts your entire story adds 20 minutes to the movie that didn't need to be in it to begin with um because the second mary jane's in trouble then he gets his powers back it's like he he gets a fear boner and he's able to go out and like yeah. fight Doctor Octopus. Yeah, because I mean I don't know if we're supposed to believe that it was the pep talk from Matt May, but 
Yeah, he just... No, it was Mary Jane's... Oh, he has them. It was Mary Jane's stupid hat that you hated in the movie. Oh, <laughs> Let him get his powers back. Oh, my God. Oh. Stupid. This movie is such a time capsule of the 2000s when it comes to fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we were pointing it out. Everyone was wearing the Kevin collection of 2004. All it needed was, uh, like, the killers to appear. <laughs> That's what it needed. No, um, um, the killers are playing a concert, and not, they're like, "Hey, it's Spider Man." They're like the, the Macy Gray. Um, oh, what's that? Franz Cur- Ferdinand. Yeah, they, yeah, Franz Ferdinand actually <laughs> would probably be better. I'm trying to think of the O four. The Strokes. The O four bands. The Strokes were a little earlier, but yeah, the Strokes were still been around there, yeah. trying. They were trying. <laughs> Modest Mouse. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Playing float on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Maybe, maybe you could have had some uh, Gnarls Barkley play. Oh, <laughs> uh, they they came later. A little later? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, still. Yeah. But this movie was definitely a time capsule of 2004. Yes. Awful year. By the <laughs> way, if you guys don't remember the year 2004, like the mid-2000s, it was like just the worst time ever. Like it's pretty bad. There was nothing happening culturally that was any relevance whatsoever to anything that ever happened afterwards. No, we were halfway through two terms of Bush. Everything was just, <laughs> at least here. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so like we, we talked about the problems with Spidey's character. Uh, let's talk about uh, Dr. Octopus. Uh I like Alfred Molina. I think he's a great actor. He, he chews the hell yeah. out of the scenery the in this movie. 14 minutes he was on screen uh, were great. There was literally a... Like, I think the movie took 40 minutes to get him on screen. It was No, it was like 30 minutes to get him on screen as just Dr. Otto Octavius. Mm-hmm. And then there was a scene in the middle where it was like 20 minutes without him being on screen at all. Right. I was just like... Because he was working. He was very busy. (laughs) He's like sitting there listening to, everybody's working for the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like a little crappy radio. Ah, arm number three, I love Loverboy. (laughs) I think Loverboy did that song, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And it like nods. (laughs) (laughs) You could see the string on it. (laughs) It looks like Tom's. It looks like Crow They're Robot. They're running yeah. out of money. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. He doesn't appear as much as he needs to in this movie. And once again, you have a character who's destroyed by his. Like Spider-Man does not defeat him. No. It's like, what's the point of Spider-Man even being there? Like, uh, like if he had done he jumps all- around. Okay, so literally. Okay, so <laughs> jumps let me, around a lot. Let me ask you this. Dr. Octopus gets the tritium. Mm-hmm. He starts this whole reaction thing. Um, would he have not destroyed himself regardless? Yeah, probably. Well, and he, but he would have also destroyed the half the city, they said. Would he, though? Because like the, the, deck was already, the dock was already falling apart, and all he did was just bring the thing down into the river anyway. So the thing would have just collapsed anyway. Might have. So, <laughs> might have could? Might have could. So, I mean, like, Spider-Man, it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, Spider-Man really didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of showed up. I mean, granted, he gave him that little bit of lucidity at the end when he shocked him, mm-hmm. but Dr. Octopus did that to himself. All Spider-Man did was just hold up the cable. It, it seems just kind of self-defeating. I really don't like that with villains. Like, Green Goblin, at least, was okay. Like... Yeah, he was killed by his own thing, but that's because he was trying to kill Spider-Man with it, and he just happened, Spider-Man just moved out of the way and, and right. killed him with it. Doctor Octopus was like, "No, this is similar to that." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "No, 
I will not die a monster. Right. No, you do have forearms fused to your back. You're kind of a monster. <laughs> yeah. Well. You might not feel that way, but it's kind of true. <laughs> but you look like a monster. Yeah. I mean, you're monstrous. <laughs> let's let's at least say that. Let's at least agree with that. You haven't worn a shirt for this entire movie. That's pretty <laughs> monstrous. I mean, and that's why I'm having such difficulty with this movie is like, why do people point to this as such a great comic book movie when it's so self-defeating in every point? First of all, it's two and a half hours long, which no movie should be two and a half hours long. Um, no movie, especially a comic book movie, should be two and a half hours long. Lawrence of Arabia, Arabia, I give a pass to for being that long. <laughs> For being four hours long? Yeah, for being four hours long, because you're just like, whatever, it even has an inter. This movie needed an intermission where he was like, get up, go to the bathroom, stretch, you know. If they're going to keep making, I, I've said this before, if they're going to keep making movies, comic movies, or any movies, that are going to consistently be over two and a half hours long, and I'm expected to sit there, they've got to give me a break. Yeah. Um, I'm too old to do that. It, uh, Hateful Eight had an intermission, and it was awesome. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, this movie's two and a half hours long, and it's a good sixty percent of it. I would say maybe a higher seventy percent of it is Peter Parker sulking about not being able to be with Mary Jane, or Mary Jane sulking that she's not able to be with Peter. It's, yeah, it's just noodling around for a a good chunk of the movie, and I don't I don't get why people like this movie so much. I can't speak for other people and well, no, you, i don't you know speak that for yourself. i don't know that it's see i came into this expecting based on because i know i'd seen it before but like you i hadn't seen it since i don't know probably when it came out um i i i knew that people loved it and i came into it expecting to like it more than the first one and i think I liked it about as much as the first one. I don't think that I liked it anymore. And it's because they didn't go out of their way to introduce... They didn't complicate anything that we didn't already kind of know about. The core relationships were still the same. You know, they added in this extra layer of like, oh, she's going to get married. It was kind of unnecessary because the guy didn't really have any lines. Like, it would have been better if, like... He was a nice guy, you know, and it's like they were, oh, well, and he was an become... astronaut, Kevin. That's a, how nicer are you going to get than an astronaut? <laughs> well, there's that, that one astronaut who, like, the lady who, like, went Drove crazy. Across, cross country wearing a diaper. I'm just saying, astronaut doesn't buy you a pass. You know what I mean? <laughs> not so, as much as it used to. No, not as much at all. Not since Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing. <laughs> exactly. So. I like that all of the core relationships were the same. We didn't really there were there were little sort of character reveals where people kind of figure out that he's Spider Man or um he is sort of that confessional scene at May about like, oh I was actually there when he died, blah blah blah. Like, Which I don't understand what was the point of that scene. Well, it was... Why didn't he tell Aunt May to begin with? Like, what was he hiding? Well, the whole thing is it's an unburdening. The burden of his personal life is part, if not completely, what is uh, uh, causing him to lose his powers. Okay. Right? It's tor- That's his sort of torment. It's not just the whole, like, I can't do anything right. I can't get a job. Like, 
it's this complicated because he because the whole thing is like he ha- he wants to be this noble guy and make this sacrifice and say like I can't be with you because I'm Spider-Man but I can't tell you that I'm Spider-Man so I have to just hurt you and <laughs> I'm going to consistently hurt you and it's going to you know I'm ruining this sort of friendship that means a lot to me and this relationship that means a lot to me and that's not the right call he's not supposed to be making that call or at the very least, he's not actually okay with it. And this is his his mind basically shutting that part down and just saying, like, you, you know, it's manifesting. That turmoil is manifesting itself in that way. One of the things he has to do to sort of unburden himself and reclaim his Spider-Man-ness is he's got to kind of get over these secrets that he has. Okay. And one of them, is, the biggest one is the being Spider-Man secret, which he's not going to be able to really come out and say, he, but it gets revealed at the end, and he's much happier at the end. Yeah. The And he still tries to do the thing and say, well, but see, now you know why I can't really be with you even though I want to. And she's like, eh, screw that. Like, we'll be together anyway. And he's yeah. like, okay, I guess. And... That's a key thing. That's a thing that you see a lot too, and and I kind of like that as as a character thing to just be like, yeah, but you know that's not your choice. Like, okay, now I'm aware of the risks. That's okay. I'm gonna do it anyway. So then, if a supervillain kidnaps and murders me, it won't be your fault because I chose this. And it's like, okay, so it lets him off the hook in that way, but it also gives some agency to the Mary Jane character. As well, I, I, I guess like I like the idea of Mary Jane making the choice right. that it's like I don't care that you're Spider Man or I don't care of the inherent danger. Actually, she does care that he's Spider Man because well, that's who she really wants to be with. Well, that's part of what my thing was, was going to say. <laughs> oh, okay, is that it's, right? It's is she really in love more with Peter Parker or is she in love with the notion that he is Spider Man? Well, we're supposed to, I mean, she seems to be in love with him. At the very end of the last movie, she says that she doesn't say, I mean, it's, this is not Superman, this is not Lois Lane deciding that she wants to be with Clark Kent, even before finding out that he's Superman. Yeah. This is, she's always, she was always just like, I'm into Superman. Yeah. Like, you're not, you know, I'm only going to be with Superman. And he's like, but I'm Superman. But he, well, you know, and Man of Steel that. completely eliminated that well, by having, right. yeah. But yeah. we're not going to well, go into no, that. No, we don't acknowledge that movie anymore <laughs> uh, until I have to, which is hopefully never. Uh, so that's this whole thing is he's, he is, he's trying to do this thing, but by keeping these secrets and trying to keep people safe. And it's like, it's just, it's not working and that's not how he well, has and to one play of, this. And that's one of the problems is, is that you don't really understand why he has to keep it secret so much. Like why he has to keep this whole thing so secret. Well, that's just a decision that he comes to. And it turns but, out it's the wrong decision. Yeah, But we don't understand why he makes that decision. That's like an important decision that we should see, which would lead us to understand of why he's feeling so crappy in this movie because he's made this decision. Mm-hmm. We never really understand why he makes that decision that uh, he has to keep his identity about secret. About the Mary Jane thing? Well, no, about well, the, keeping his it, identity secret. Well, because or why doesn't he just tell Mary Jane? Because be once yeah. Willem Dafoe finds out that he's he makes that connection, he's like, now I know that I'll go after Aunt May. Right. Yeah. And any. Uh, and he kind of assumes like any villain he's going to come up against in the future, there's that risk. 
So that's you got to know that. I mean, you're well, the comic I, book guy. Like no, that's I, the comic book. I understand. Bread and butter. I understand from the comic book perspective, but I'm saying in terms of of the movie, it's just like I just don't understand why he. Uh, you know, well, that's yeah. what's stupid is it's like he's still gonna be. <laughs> they're still gonna be friends. It's like not that, like, like he ever is like I'm gonna just move away and be an isolated yeah. loner. I'm gonna because go to I can't Dayton. have any connections. Yeah. It's like no, I'm still gonna know people. I'm still gonna, you know, I'm still friends. Yeah, with I'm still these living people. in this Dickensian world where I run into the same four people over and over and over again. <laughs> right. If he wanted to really follow through I'm with go that, go eat that cake over in Miss Haversham's apartment. <laughs> yeah. If he really wanted to follow through with it, right? He should have. <laughs> Thanks for getting that reference. Yes. <laughs> it took me a second. Um, yeah, he should have like moved to another neighborhood or something, you know, and just been like, "Well, I'm just gonna live alone there." I'm gonna go live in Queens. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. We go live in Flushing Meadows. But he didn't. He stays fairly local and, you know, he tries to keep these relationships alive while also being like, well, but I can't tell you all about my secrets. And that's, I think that's the, the, it's like I understand that from a comic book perspective where where for month after month after month you have to maintain this storyline. But this is a movie that's two and a half hours long. Like, you should have spent some time giving us some insight into the psyche of Spider-Man. Where we're what we mean you are doing is we're pulling we're we're reaching deep into this movie to try and pull out why he's doing that's this. That's true. Yeah, it should be it should be on the surface. It should be fairly obvious why things mm-hmm. are going the way that they are. Um, and once again, it's like Spider Man is twenty three years old, living in New York. He should be having <laughs> the time of his life. Yeah, you see zero. He is not enjoying anything that he is doing. Everyone no. seems so GD miserable in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think I said that too. Like right as the movie started, I go look and pay attention to how everyone just seems tired yeah. in this movie. They're just exhausted the entire time. Yeah, I, I just well, Mary Jane's doing eight shows a week. You yeah, know? she is. She's doing. <laughs> well, what can you do? <clears throat> so, you know, seven days a week in a matinee. You know, mm-hmm. got she's got to keep it going. Yeah. Her terrible British accent. Still can't remember her lines. But it still doesn't answer my question of why is this movie so beloved of comic book fans. Like, why is this movie re- strike such a chord with people that they love it so much? Oh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think it's any better than the first one. I and th- I think the, the first, first one, one is pretty good. It's I, fine. I like the first one infinitely better than this one because I kind of feel that the villain played a much more prominent part in the first one. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of psychological noodling with, with Peter Parker. Um, the villain was more of a villain for the sake of being a villain as opposed to a villain with a heart of gold. Kind of pulling from that, uh, you know, Bruce Tim, um, not uh, uh, you know, uh, Mister Freeze from Batman the Animated Series, where it's like I'm just doing this to save my wife. Like that's why I feel like this is pulling a lot of for for Doctor Octopus, and so you're supposed to have this character that's full of pathos that you're just like, oh, I feel so bad for him, but it's like at the same time he's kind of being controlled by robot snakes, so it's like you know. <laughs> He's not really that big of a villain. Like, there's no real villain. The, the, the true villain was the two-hour and 30-minute runtime of this movie, I think. Well, and this this is what I'm saying. is like... Uh, yeah. Is that Roger Ebert says... Uh, he gave the star... He gave the first film two and a half stars and gave Spider-Man 2 four out of four, saying the best superhero movie since the, since, uh, the modern genre was launched was Superman in 78. 
He praised the film for effortlessly combining special effects and a human story, combining his parallel plots alive and moving. Uh, the fourth best film of 2004. Now, granted, 2004, not the best year for films. 2004 does not go out and grab you, but it's like, I, I don't understand. Like, I thought that the parallel plots were all kind of tedious and, and oh, they didn't overlap at all. They didn't, there was no connection between anything. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, at the core of every storyline is Spider-Man struggling with trying to make the choice between I'm going to be Spider-Man or I want to be Peter Parker. I mean, that yeah. that makes sense. Um, no, and I, you pulled up Ebert. Um, I like that. And don't get me wrong. I like that idea of a plot point. That's a great thing to work with. Sure. And I think that's true to the character of Spider-Man, this, this idea. I I don't know what, if it was the writing or if it was the acting that, that where this didn't come across. I mean, the fact that Tobey Maguire makes the dumbest faces of all time in this movie does not help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his so I pulled the up camera. a review, which is a rewatch. It's from uh, 2014. Um, Zach Handlin uh, wrote on Letterboxd. Um, I won't read the whole thing because it's, it's two paragraphs, but um, I'll read the beginning where he says, uh, I can see there are flaws in this. Some of Alfred Molina's lines pre-Doc Ock make me cringe a little, and I can <laughs> never decide if Raimi realizes just how much of a dick Peter is to Mary Jane or not. <laughs> But the flaws just work in the movie's favor somehow. The sappiness makes it feel more like an old-school comic. And Peter's baffling inability to realize that he can't try to woo someone and push her away at the same time. And then he quotes, I can't be with you. Here's some poetry. (laughs) The poetry scene. Your favorite. (laughs) He says that just makes sense somehow. Like it's some kind of inadvertent comment on how so many romances in long-form serial storytelling work, frozen in the tension between desire and the demands of the plot. It's true. So he he comes at this from the perspective of, and maybe this starts to hint at why comic book fans love this movie, is that there's a lot that feels like a comic book to them, right? Because it is... Back and forth. It's they're gonna be together. They're not gonna be together. Then the next month. Oh, it's this. Oh, now it's this. Oh, oh, and then the big reveal where she finds out. Like, I, you obviously that's one of the conceits of this show is that I've never really read comics, so I can't really relate to that. But I can also see how that makes sense from a pulp storytelling standpoint. Yeah, I guess I guess it. You can see it from a. a I just think that it was. <laughs> You just I, don't like when there's a, uh, uh, you know, it's a kissing movie. You, you just don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> kissing. <laughs> no, I, I think just what I don't like is I just don't like it. It had to be something with either the acting or the writing. I don't. I'm, well, some of it is still just how I still just don't like Tobey Maguire much. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a big sticking point for me. Yeah, I, it could be something like that. I, I don't don't know what the specific thing is, but I just found that all of the characters graded on me, and I just could not understand why any of them were making the decisions they were making. I felt like at times when it was supposed to be internalized and we were supposed to figure, and we were supposed to have insight into their character, it was too externalized. And I think that's the problem, is it was too much, I guess, show and not enough tell. Maybe hmm. that's a maybe that's a good way of putting it. Like, why does Mary Jane like Peter Parker so much? Why? Hmm. You know, where is that coming from? Well, uh, 
You know, we we could we could spend yeah. all day on this, and I like yeah. I understand, and like I I can understand. I like a lot of the directing in this. I mean, some of the some of the more Raimi scenes I loved in this, mm-hmm. and I think the action sequences were a lot better than the first one, mm-hmm. even though inexplicably the CGI was not as good as the first one, which is it was yeah, it was of its time. I don't know. I mean, there's stuff in uh, Return of the King was a year before, and there's stuff in there that doesn't hold up. That you look at, like especially a lot of the daytime stuff. It's always the daytime stuff. It's the always the daytime stuff. Always looks great. I mean, that bank vault looked literally like a cartoon mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, it looked hand drawn. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It's like, I, it's hard for me to explain. <laughs> it's hard for me to explain. <laughs> Dr. Octagon, paramedic fetus of the East with priests from the church of the operating room with the strikes of force, scalpel since the Holocaust. I do indeed in greed explore, meet the patients, back to rooms with the nurse with the voodoo curse. Holding up office lights, standing at huge heights, back and forth, left wing, swing to north, east and south with blood pouring down your mouth. I can prepare with the white suit and stethoscope, listen to your heartbeat, delete, beep, beep, beep. Your insurance is high, but my price is cheap. Look at the land. Blue flowers. Run by the purple pond. Blue flowers. Run by the purple pond. All right, so um, we're going to do a recast. Um, you know, one of the things that Kevin and I always talk about on this podcast is we always uh, lament the death of the old New York. Yeah. You know, the, the New York of the 1970s and 80s. Where, where everything's coated in a fine dust of cocaine. <laughs> so we thought, you know, last time we did the top three New York movies, we're going to do the top, we're going to do our recast this time of a, night, a gritty 70s, 80s mm-hmm. um, New York movie. Like how, you know, uh, the, you know the, the movie where Spider-Man's got to stop a guy from overdosing on heroin or causes <laughs> the guy to overdose on heroin. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. That would yeah. be dark. Yeah. Where Peter Parker's like looking for a job and the only job he can get is like giving out flyers for a porno theater in Times Square. You know, like that's his job. And then he gets fired from that because he's late. <laughs> nice. Um, so let's start this off. Kevin, who is your gritty 70s and 80s Peter Parker? You know, I still wanted there to be a little bit of a lightness to it, uh, and someone who has done, I think, a combination of grit and uh, movies, I shouldn't say grit, but movies that get dark, um, but also weirdly darkly funny, (laughs) uh, which I think is the tone that you couldn't help but have with this movie. Uh, I went with, he might be a little old, but I don't know, maybe not much older than than Tobey Maguire is. Uh, I went with Griffin Dunn. Ooh, interesting. uh, Yeah, of, uh, you know, After Hours, that's probably my poll of the gritty New York, but uh, also, if you go, if this is before that, that was 85, if this is before that, he was in uh, American Werewolf in London That's true, yeah. Uh, I think he has the look. I think he could do it. You know who I wanted to go with, but I realized that he would be... I just couldn't buy it. I couldn't really see it, even though I got really initially excited about it. I think if this was the early 70s, I could sell it. Uh, Bud Court. 
Really? Of, Who's uh, Bud Court? Uh, he was probably best known at the time for, uh, he's Harold and Harold and Maude. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also the, uh, in, uh, he's the, uh, the, the, um, the bank company stooge in uh, The Life Aquatic who gets kidnapped by pirates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for my Peter Parker, I went with someone who's actually probably of appropriate age, like if we were doing this in the early 80s, um, from a movie that is terrible, but for some odd reason I always pull it when I think of like early 80s New York movies. The movie Turk 182, I went with Timothy Hutton. Oh. Yeah. Um, he's a little beefy for the character. Timothy Hutton's always, always like a big guy. Yeah. But I just, I see him as young. I mean, I like if... I think in uh Didn't you love Leverage? Didn't you like watch <laughs> like the heck out of Leverage? <laughs> the first season I loved of Leverage. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't, why. I don't but think I, did. I ever saw it, but I just <laughs> had this association with you just being like, I'm watching Leverage. Um But yeah, I mean that movie was uh I think uh Turk one eighty two was nineteen eighty five and I he was I don't think I know that movie. Oh, it's so dumb it's about graffiti and like how to fight the man with graffiti. Um <laughs> he was twenty five when that movie Kim came Control out in eighty five, so yeah, it does have Kim Cattrall. Um, so, who is your Mary Jane? Let me ask you that. Well, my Mary Jane is... Uh, You're going to love my Mary Jane. I don't know if it's a little obvious or not, but uh, uh, I referenced her last week with my uh, taxi driver pick. Uh, I went with Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, really? Yeah. She's getting a little older by that time. She could... Uh, Peter Parker. She could pull it. You're gonna, I'm in love with you, Peter Parker. Peter Parker, I'm going to play, play an Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Oh my god, it'd be so awful. <laughs> no, because she wouldn't be in an off-Broadway production of Important Being Earnest. She'd be a stripper on stage in, in Times Square. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, she'd be in... Right, it'd be like the importance of boning Ernest. <laughs> some some version. Uh, I, I'm not going to try and come up with an alternate porno title, because that's just pretty fine. That, it's yeah, important. Yeah. Um, Who's yours? Um, I ended up going from the movie Desperately Seeking Susan, Madonna. <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's interesting. When would this come out? Because, I mean, her first single didn't come out until, like, 1983. I, I, well, I think Desperately Seeking Susan was 85, so was Turk 182. So I decided oh, to pull okay. from both of them. All right. Yeah. So I think it's it's clear we're mid-80s at this yeah, point. Yeah, I guess. You. Yeah. Uh, so you're just a little later than me. That's yeah. okay. I don't care. I'm just trying to If I to wanted to, I could, also, I could pull in Rosanna Arquette, even though I hate the Arquettes. See, I specifically didn't bring in any Arquettes <laughs> yeah. because I know no. you don't let like, me. No, and I you think make I don't let thing. you. You can bring in as any Arquettes. Cats that you want. I just don't like the Arquettes. Just make them all Arquettes. <laughs> just find them all like disgusting to look at. Um, so um, let's go next with your uh, Dr. Otto Octavius. Who's your Otto Octavius? I had a couple that I went with and uh, or that I wanted initially. My first pick uh, initially was the great, the late great, I think, Donald Pleasance. But... As I was scrolling through people, I came up with someone that I liked a little bit better, even though, uh, I don't know, he might he might be better at it now or maybe 10, 20 years ago than he would have been at the time, Albert Brooks. Albert, oh my God. Yeah, Albert Brooks would have been an amazing part to pull. I mean, he'd be greater now. Like, if they did for Spider-Man Homecoming, they pulled Albert Brooks in as Dr. Octopus, I would be sold. <laughs> That'd be amazing right yeah. now. He's done some really interesting roles with that. I mean, he's not in a lot, but when he is I mean, now, a movie it, that I hated, Drive, he was amazing as a villain. He was I will, the, one of the best parts of it. He, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, that's so much better than my pick. Aw. <laughs> um, 
from the... Wow, this is another movie from 85. I didn't even realize that I pulled from 85 so much. Uh, um, from the movie Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, I pulled in Fred Ward. Nice. Um, I think he's just kind of got the look. He's kind of got that bowl cut. So yeah. I was, I was like, oh, might as well. I mean, Fred Ward, great character actor. Sure. Tremors. Tremors. Right stuff. Well, probably all the Tremors. I think he's one of the guys. Is he? In, like every one of them. No, it's Michael, no? Michael Gross is in all of them. Oh, the that's dad right. from Family Ties. That's right. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, Escape from Alcatraz, all of those. He's just like a, a good tough guy. He's a good heavy to yeah. have. And I, I think he'd pull, he'd pull off Dr. Octopus pretty well in that. Um, so let me ask, do you have a Harry Osborne? Um, I didn't right up until you brought up Tremors. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say Kevin Bacon. Well, you, I'm going to put a ban on you putting Kevin Bacon because I think this Why? is like fourth week in a row that you put Kevin Bacon. I, you've been using Kevin Bacon quite a Sorry. bit. Well, I didn't have one until right this second. So it's not like I, no, I planned uh, yeah. this initially. You, did, you but. did. But he's always your, he's one of your go-tos. Yeah. Uh, well, he was getting big right at the time. A little bit. I mean, he wouldn't. What was his first big role? Probably uh, Footloose. Animal House. Well, first big, oh, okay. like, credited, yeah, loose. you're yeah, Kevin Bacon yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, that'd be He was in loose. Diner in 82, yeah. or 81, whenever that came out. But. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, for mine, I went for, I actually went a year earlier, I went 1984. Oh. Uh, the Pope of Greenwich Village, Eric Roberts, oh, is my nice. Harry Osborne. I sure. think that would, that would work out. he got the look. Up. Yeah. He's, he can do that snooty, sort of, the rich guy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, my, uh, my last one that I cast was uh, my J. Jonah Jameson, because I feel so, he's so integral to the sure. Spider-Man part. Yes, do you have is. a J. Jonah no, Jameson? I do not. Um, mine, I decided to pull in a veteran actor. Mm-hmm. I decided to go for someone who'll be pretty big, and so the offices of J. Jonah Jameson. See, now, <laughs> you would have been... I'm going to ban, if you're going to ban <laughs> Kevin Bacon, there's no way that I can let you keep putting Al Pacino in every movie. I don't think I've put Al Pacino in a long time. <laughs> At least we neither of us put Robert De Niro in this <laughs> yes. one, which we always do. Um, yeah, I, I decided to put Al Pacino in it because I figure if I did 85, he's starting to lose it. Like we, I always say, the oh, cutoff yeah. the cutoff for De Niro is 1990. Uh, not De Niro, the Pacino, Pacino is 1990. Uh-huh. Um, if this movie was made in the 1990s, he would have been much better, J. Jonah Jameson. But oh yeah, I think 85, he was losing it quite a bit at that time. So uh, yeah, that that would be mine. Oh, you didn't have a director. Oh, who's your director? Mm, I I mean, I went quintessential. I did not go Scorsese, although I could have. Uh, I went with John Carpenter. Oh, nice. I mean, didn't we do John Carpenter last time? No, no. Well, with the Spider-Man, the the first the made for the made for for TV TV. thing. Yeah, who who do we have as director? I don't think we picked a director. Uh, I don't. I don't think I did. I don't remember if you did. I should rewriting these things down. They would be good to. Okay. Record somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it would be good to put those on. <laughs> so um, that we remember this stuff. I'm going to do a writer-director on this one. Okay. I just This came to me right now. I didn't actually have a director, so uh-huh. I, I'm going to put this on there. I'm going to do Bacon. Tom Laughlin, the guy who did all of the Billy Jack movies, as the writer-director of the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I honestly don't think he did much in the night, like, much later than the Billy Jack movies, the self, uh, self-made Billy Jack, but why not? <laughs> Let it happen. What do you want from me? Who are you? Who am I? What's in the name? Hmm? An octopus by any other name would still be as deadly. Please. I've never done anything to you. No, of course you haven't. 
That's what they all say. No one's ever done anything to Dr. Octopus. It started with my colleagues. They ridiculed me. Those mindless fools. All right, so we're going to do some comic book news right now. Um... Not a ton. I mean, most of the big comic book new comic book movie news that has been coming out has been about Spider Man Homecoming. Um, just a ton seems of, appropriate though. Yeah. However, the biggest, the weirdest thing that I th- I find coming out of this is there's been no like script leaks, so yeah. we don't know anything about the villain. We don't know anything about the story. No, we don't know anything about this. We just know that like a bajillion people have been cast in this movie, and some very strange. I mean, it kind of feels almost like this movie, like watching Spider Man Two. All of the cameos, I mean, like, people that we now know as famous, uh, like Donnell Rollins from The Chappelle Show. Oh, right. Uh, Hell Sparks, Emily Deschanel. Mm-hmm. Um, who else did we see? in? The, oh, uh, um, Joel McHale. Like, all of these yeah. people who are, like... I wouldn't even... a lot of. I don't even think that those are cameos. They're kind of cameos now, now, in sort of retrospect. At the time, they were probably just, like, just starting out working actors. And now, yeah, now... Well, I mean, yeah, I guess... Pretty much, and nowadays you have people in the new movie. It's like Hannibal Burris, and uh, um, well, that's how they would do it now. Like, yeah, they're not going to announce like some random person, but yeah, you kind of get the sense like you have to assume like Hannibal Burris is going to have one scene, and he's going to be like, "Hey guys, Spider Man, <laughs> you know, hey Spider Man stole his pizza." <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> going to be that guy. Yeah, with and that... people are going to be like, "That's what we were waiting for." Yeah, like, he's not going to play, you know, the lizard. You know? No, he's <laughs> he's going <laughs> to. That would be awesome, though. <laughs> um, lizard now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> go eat some pizza. <laughs> Where's that Bill Cosby? <laughs> Gotta go get some revenge. I hate Bill Cosby, but I love weed. <laughs> I'm being a lizard. Yeah, I mean, he's not actually a lizard. He just keeps thinking he is. Yeah, and uh, he's high. And the other, like, I think one of the other big news so far coming out this summer is the relative failure of the two big comic book releases that have happened so far: X Men Apocalypse. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, uh, out of the shadows, the secret of the <laughs> secret of the use. shadows. Um, both of them have been underperforming what they were expecting, and this yes. is like a summer of underperformance for a lot of movies. Yeah, maybe they knew something, and that's why they pushed uh, um, Suicide Squad back because they knew this summer was going to be dead. But even Spielberg's BFG has done terrible, mm-hmm. which is understandable because it's one of the worst titles for movies since John Carter. <laughs> um, hey, it's a movie about a guy going to Mars and fighting Martians and flying around, and there's big green aliens. Let's call it John Carter. It's the, it's the name of my football coach in high school. <laughs> it's the name, the na- yeah, it's like the name of, of, of your assistant principal at your high school, John yeah. Carter. It's like BFG. John Carter? From accounting? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now you have a movie called BFG, and you're just like... The BFG? Yeah. From Human Resources? <laughs> You know, I always think of from Doom, BFG stood for big yeah, yeah. gun. Yeah, didn't stand for friendly gun. No. I'll tell you that much. If the movie had been called Big Friendly Giant, probably would have done a little bit better. Maybe. I don't need to see the Mark Rylance play a really def- super deformed giant. It looks terrifying to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I've heard 
mixed things. I've heard mostly people didn't like it, but I've also heard some interesting and very articulate defenses of the movie. Mostly the the criticisms of that one in particular tend to fall around um, the fact that there's really not much to that story. No. Nothing really happens in it. Like, she kind of goes on the adventure and then comes back. Well, it's not even, like, really an adventure. It's just, like, she goes and hangs out with them, and then she goes back home. I just don't like rolled it. Doll, I guess that makes me a, an awful human being. Yeah, a little. I, I just, I never really understood his appeal. Mm. Like, I, I get his writing, and I think it's he's funny as a writer, but I've never thought of him as, like, a childhood treasure, like, mm. as, as a lot of people do. I didn't grow up reading him, so Neither I did don't I. really yeah. either. I grew up looking at dinosaur books. That's pretty much all I read <laughs> as a kid, so I missed out on a lot of that stuff. I, I kind of feel like, like Spielberg, he's, like, trying to appeal to this weird European crowd because like his last few movies aside from bridge of spies have been like tintin and the war horse and yeah. i'm like what is what's going on here is he trying to appeal to belgians like what's <laughs> pretty the, much the belgians in the uk it's war like horse, no. <laughs> war horse no <laughs> how's war horse gonna get out of this one? i mean and i really like bridge of spies and i was talking with mm-hmm. you about it that i was like this movie is fantastic this is the best spielberg movie i've seen in years <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like Tintin. It, it's like Tintin underperformed in the U.S. but did well overseas, and they're doing a sequel to. T- I guess we could talk about Tintin because that's a comic book technically. That's true. They did kind of. Talk we haven't of- done it. Yeah, we haven't done it yet. You're gonna have to sit through it. You're gonna have to sit through Tintin. There's one thing in this. Let's world- just do. Let's just sit through. We'll do the Smurfs and Tintin, and we'll just rip off the Belgian Band-Aid. I just. There's one thing that I absolutely hate, and it's Belgian comic books, and I don't... (laughs) There's no real reason for me to hate it as much as I do, but it's just... It's so annoying to me. Like, Tintin and... I've always hated Tintin. Always have hated Tintin. The Smurfs... I haven't read it. It seems like the kind of thing I would really love. (laughs) It really does. It looks really fun to me. Let me put it in this perspective. I I love the artwork of Tintin. I think that it's a very, very beautifully drawn book, Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I... but it's one of those weird things, kind of like like uh, like Little Nemo, you know, like that, where it's like all yeah. the characters are very, very simplistically drawn, <clears throat> yet the backgrounds are these gorgeously mm-hmm. complex uh, panoramics. Yeah. It is beautiful, and that's why Tintin is to me. It's like this beautifully drawn thing, but the character is like an oval with two dots and a line for mouth, and you're just like, ugh. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I appreciate that, but I just, I've always hated Tintin. Yeah, Tintin. Not I your just, jam. Yeah, but they announced that, like, they announced that they're still like Spielberg and Peter Jackson are working on a sequel to it, and all of the people in Europe were like, uh, "The Tintin <laughs> is coming back. I like the Tintin. I'm excited <laughs> for this movie. Will Jerry Lewis be in it? No. <laughs> C'est la vie." <laughs> Woody Allen's walking in the background, turned, disappearing into Toulouse Lautrec's Paris. It's great. Wow. I should have said Owen Wilson, but whatever. It's fine. He's <laughs> Ma- there too. Marion Cotillard is singing La Vienne Rose in the back. This is like all France to me. Like gritty <laughs> New York true. 1970s, Joe's France. <laughs> yes. Marcel Marceau sitting there, Jerry Lewis. Marie Cartiard. There we go. But yeah, and uh so anyway, the the underperformance of the of of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and X-Men Apocalypse. I think X-Men Apocalypse is the big one because um there's been rumors now rumbling that Fox is looking to work with Marvel on a deal a, a Spider-Man deal. Mm-hmm. Um so that 
Marvel Entertainment could be in charge of their mo- their of of their universe, but yet they'd still get the distribution rights to it. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that's going to happen because I think I know Marvel has been very, very, very hostile towards Fox because of Fox's stances in the past. I know there's been a lot of bad blood between them, hmm. so I don't know if what's going to happen there. Um. But I know Marvel. I'm I'm almost positive Marvel desperately wants Fantastic Four back. I don't know how they feel about X-Men, but I I know that they desperately want Fantastic Four back. I don't know how Marvel wouldn't want... Like, why would they want Fantastic Four and not X-Men? I mean, maybe just because they've seen it be butchered, but the X-Men have done okay? I think it's because Fantastic Four are a Marvel legacy. You know, they go back to the 1960s. Like, They're, they're right there mm, with Spider-Man, okay. Thor, Captain that America. Makes, that's, that's true. Um, they're very small and self-contained, and they also contain... Uh, Silver Surfer, Galactus, a lot of these great villains, Doctor Doom, that Marvel can't touch right now. That would right. be great to bring into other uh, to, to other films. I mean, Galactus yeah. would be a great threat for like the MCU, like one of those big like like Thanos or something like mm-hmm. that. Galactus is coming. I mean, could, you could imagine that after Infinity War, like the next big thing would be Galactus is coming. Sure. Um, X Men, on the other hand, is a mess. <laughs> no one really cares that much. It, like. As I said, as I said in the X Men podcast, it's like you could just throw anything out there and call it the X Men, and people would be like, "All right, I'm gonna go see X Men." This is good. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what the X Men uh, probably need at this point? A third timeline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I think. We need like, uh, yeah, we need like Renaissance X Men. <laughs> it's called Marvel 1601. Cool Spidey outfit. Thanks. Where'd you get it? I made it. Hmm. Looks uncomfortable. It gets kind of itchy. It rides up in the crotch a little bit, too. All right, so Spider-Man 2. I like it. I I think that it's... You don't have to defend it to me. You can like the movie. Greatly overrated by these people who were like... um, that this is one of the best. And I don't know if that's tainted by we've had better comic book movies since. But I liked it. I didn't like it more than the first one. I also didn't like it less. So I gave the first one a B plus. I'm going to give this a B plus. Um, I'm going with a B minus, almost C plus in this one. And I feel really bad about this one because I was looking forward to this one. This is the one that... As I said, people said, until Dark Knight, this was the banner for comic book films. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there has been much better films that have shown how to do comic book movies um, since this that have done a much better job and probably have put this in more of a negative light for me. Um, I think some some of the things that it suffers from, its length, its noodling plot, and it's, I, I think that no one was really putting in 100% in the acting, aside from J.K. Simmons. Um, Always. Tommy McGuire just kind of phoned it in. He's making weird faces throughout the entire movie. Kirsten Dunst just looks tired. James Franco... Not in the movie much. He just doesn't does, give him much to do. He's consumed by the whole I gotta kill Spider-Man thing that he, doesn't ever really... He doesn't really put any effort into finding Spider-Man. He just keeps, like, bugging Peter Parker, like, you Peter Parker, when you get... Who's Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Not gonna tell Stab you my dad Spider-Man is because you're gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him though. You still have Spider-Man. You stabbed no. my dad in the groin. 
standing and crying. No, he didn't. Yeah, and he's like, he's giving that community theater performance of like, I will find out who the man behind the mask <laughs> is. Um, yeah, it's like, it's it's a very, very weird movie to me. Yeah. It, it suffered a lot in the editing. I think the scenes that Raimi really directed were great. A lot of the action scenes were pretty good. Um, you gotta hand it to him. Like, his work with stunt people and, like, practical effects is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's not that, it's kind of, it suffers. It suffers a lot. Um, and I think he learned that when he did a lot more smaller movies, like Drag Me to Hell after this, where it was just fantastic Raimi directing. Right. And that's where you see really him come back to form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, I'm gonna give it a B minus C plus, because I did enjoy... A lot of the directing, and I think that it's still a solid k- movie, but it, it's just long. I, I like the smallness of it. I think the length was probably a bit much. Um, I'm with you there. I could have done with maybe one fewer, like, sad romance scene maybe one fewer of those one fewer sort of bumbling i think they could have um, co- I, you know what we didn't talk about um uh, even though they kept happening in the movie were the lit these those weird comedy moments where they no. would just sit on it the first one is where he's coming out no. of the janitor's closet oh, and yeah. all the mops keep falling and they just <laughs> also known as the kevin trying to do just, anything scene. exactly that's that was me all over they just hold on it and then they do another one with the hell sparks in the he's elevator in the yeah. elevator and then they do another they do a shorter third one where after he thinks he gets his powers back and he doesn't and he falls and he hurts his back and he's sort of slowly walking away from the camera starts the and car he alarm leans on the car and the alarm starts like i like i thought that was going to go on a little bit longer than it did um uh, oddly you get the sense that there are like a couple of really weird uh, cuts like very obvious visible seams like there was that one that just took me right out of the movie where it was like suddenly like wavy lines dissolve yeah. was like a watery dissolve like I was like what is happening well there was that one cut that was seemed like a built in commercial break yeah right where he's it's sadly walking away, away and then it was, it was like, just like that's for when it airs on TBS. Yeah. It's, so that they could just fade out right here and then pick it up in the next scene. At least it's not as bad as like the George Lucas side wipes that he likes to do, but it was still pretty weird. Um, yeah, but I, I like the comedy moment. Keep telling I, you he gets those from Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but there's it a doesn't thi- make them any better. But... Kurosawa doing it in 1965 is much different than George <laughs> Lucas doing that in 2001. Okay. I, I agree. In 1999. I agree with you. But that's what he's doing. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the comedy stuff. I, I thought like that was stuff that I, I don't mind them spending a little extra time with. Yeah. To slow down the movie and have kind of like a chuckle moment like of like, what is going on? This is so weird. But for me, it was like Peter Parker doing the poetry. It's like, ugh. There's some stuff that makes you cringe here. And uh, I really think that they should have cut the entire Mary Jane engaged subplot. Like that could have been completely cut. It probably would have taken 15 minutes out of the movie, and it wouldn't have made Mary Jane look like such an awful person for standing <laughs> up a guy at the altar. Yeah. You know, and, and Peter Parker's such a doofus for not going to get her, and, like, she has the agency to leave, you know, Jameson just to go with Peter Parker. Like, she has to make that decision on her own, even though she doesn't know Peter Parker will even be there for her. Her getting married seemed like it added an unnecessary level of stakes. Yeah. That ended up 
kind of hurting her character. Yeah. Because, yeah, then she has to be the one who, you know. Yeah, it's just so, this movie is so bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, comic books are bizarre to yeah, me. Yeah, so, I mean, they are. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's really what they're going for here. I guess. So, uh, my final grade, B minus Kevin's is a B plus. Uh, go to uh, planetarbitrary.com for your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at uh, at K White says like our Facebook page backslash uh, comic book logic podcast is a comic book logic podcast or just comic I book think logic? it's slash comic book logic slash comic book logic um, up to date uh, comic book news that we find on the internet's pretty much <laughs> yeah uh, yeah just, you know. Um, best way you can help with the podcast is to like, comment, subscribe on iTunes, give us the five stars, and say that we suck. But as long as we get the five stars, that's all that matters in this world. <laughs> uh, you can listen to our sister podcast, Game Classic Podcast, which is all about tabletop gaming, starring me and Steve. And you can also listen to Pat's Retro Video Game Review Podcast, a.k.a. Play On, where uh, Steve and Pat talk about video games. More about Pokemon Go, where, the ga- where Nintendo is forcing gamers to walk outside to find Pokemons. <laughs> I don't get it. Never will. I'm a 35-year-old man. I don't understand Pokemon. (laughs) Nope. Just missed it. So, Kevin, until next time. So, what it looks like is that he had octopus arms, and he was trying to build a machine that would make the sun, and it fell into the water. So, what you're saying is is all these technicians died by octopuses. (laughs) No, no, no. You see, the octopus arms came to life and they killed... Wait, wait. How did he have octopus arms? Was he like a mutant with with a guy with octopus arms? No, no. They're mechanical octopus arms. See, he had four of them. Well, I thought octopuses had eight legs. No, no, no. Well, he has he has the forearms in the back, his, his arms, and then two legs. So he technically has eight limbs. All right. <laughs> see it. Comic. What? Logic. <laughs>